business right we had to take care of our mentals you know was it 2021 last time you guys heard from us it was maybe right after christmas or so in our holiday pack um we were just wrapping up a nice camp um we were wrapping up a few things the first the, the fourth quarter of 2020 which was huge for us for our business to survive we made it <laughs> um do a lot of things that Thank God for that. Um, we're here. It's the young OG, Ryan Yates, Coach Yates. You know, I'm here with my my OG. I won't even just say co-host. My OG, my mentor, um, business partner here in Dubai, Julian King, aka Coach King, aka you know Jupop, aka Jules to Julia. Jeweler, you know, aka, you know, nephew of Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> How you feeling, big guy? I'm all right, man. I'm I'm happy to be back. You know, it's good to get this going again because this is therapeutic, and um, you know, it's uh, hopefully we're we're off to a good start f- for a whole new year. Man, yes, yes, for sure. And for everybody that's the first time listener. Um, you know, you're at the Bridging the Gap podcast. So Instagram, that's at Bridging the Gap underscore, all one word, no spaces. Same thing on Facebook. You can find us on, you know, everywhere that they put stuff. Amazon, <laughs> Spotify, Apple, um, YouTube, and a host of other ones. So we have our link tree out there. So lock in with us. Um, we're here to stay. We were testing it out to begin with to see if we had a chance. We have a chance. I think we got something special brewing. So just like Coach and I do with everything, um, we sat down the last three weeks. You know, I did some game planning, let them know what I was thinking. And, you know, now we're pushing forward. We got some cool things coming. We are here today for our for our past um, listeners without our our young buck, Ethan. Um, <laughs> Ethan uh, ate a bad batch. <laughs> he has some uh he has some some bad food so he's out he's staying away from us no really we're um you know for covid protocols he's staying uh quarantined just in case so he's he's with us via zoom managing some things um he's here in spirit though but we'll, let's get let's get into it a little bit with the check-in coach how you feeling with the new year you know Hey man, new year brings new beginnings, you know, uh, new opportunities, and we definitely need it. You know, I think everybody's tired. Everybody was worn out mentally, physically, emotionally from 2020. It's time to move forward, man. The crazy thing for me is like, you know, everybody's <laughs> saying happy new year, but like, this is the first, we just ended a decade. <laughs> you know what I'm Think about that, like how much things were different. 2010, right? Yeah. 2010, that was my senior year of high school. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> like right. we were we were there senior high school, and that ended for us like crazy. Yeah, right. Like that, it's light in comparison to here. But 2020 ended for us in a, whew, 
it topped 2010 for sure. But yeah. but what led to that in between, it was so different. Like we had a wild end of the 2010. Like it was yeah. crazy. I didn't know how I was gonna rebound. And I really spent those last, like, those next nine years trying to figure it out all over again. Like, for real. Now we're here. Yeah. You know, with the way 2010 ended, again, it, we always talked about it's, you got to move on. Yeah. Because if not, you will end up living your life with regrets and what if, what could have, what should have. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know, things are out of your control. That's the you know that's the uh, the part of life that you know we all have to uh, accept. Yeah, you know? you know you know me. I think everything happened for a reason, and everything's tied together. So having to deal with that at that age, I was seventeen, eighteen, <laughs> dealing with with those type of situations, and like you said having to like roll with the punches. I think that's what helped. It's almost like God was preparing us for this moment because when we got here. 15 hours away, thousands and thousands of miles away, and having to build a business together in a world where we don't know nothing, anything, and just figuring it out. Every day, every hour was just rolling with the punches, right? And guys, we will we will really get into everything, the details about how we got here soon, soon enough when the time is right. Um, and that story is something you're going to Hey, let me, let me step in and tell everybody that. There was a lot of moments, daily moments, where I had to tell Ryan, relax, <laughs> relax. Just just put your head down, let's go. Yeah. But but look, on the flip side, I had to when I finally relaxed, I had to go over and tell him, yo, big dog, we got it. We're gonna go now. I finally see the vision. Let's go. And that's a crazy dynamic. We call it podcast bridging the gap because, you know, coaching guys with 20 year age difference. <laughs> you know, like it's a, and, and I don't know, um, coach knows I've had a couple of attempts at some entrepreneurial things and they weren't successful, which, you know, your first two or three tries aren't, but those are my peers. I'm in a space now to where, you know, we've, I've grown into the role of business partner and everybody on the team is 20 years older than I am. <laughs> like it's just a completely different, it's a completely sense of urgency. Like the sense of urgency is different because all of you guys have full families and and things to to take care of. Whereas you know I'm just figuring things out, so things got to push a little different for you guys. So. Yeah, yeah, things mean a little bit more to yeah. us at this point in time because we don't we don't necessarily have the the years left in front of us to to make up for certain mistakes. So we gotta. You know, we got to try to be as perfect as possible. You know, I said perfect as possible. You're never going to be perfect, but you want to do your best to make the best uh, decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always it's 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 still crazy to me sometimes. I'm sitting there and we're on conference calls, and I'm talking, and it's seventy year old here, fifty year old here, forty six here, and I'm like, you know, my age, and I'm sitting back like, ah. They listening though. That's what I do. That's why the podcast is important, right? Because when we talk about bridging the gap, it's two sides to that bridge, right? And you only put it together if one end listens to the other and receives. And I'm blessed to have older gentlemen around me who actually take in what I say. And if it's something that doesn't make sense at the moment, they can they, they give me some constructive criticism and a, and a plan to move forward. But if it's something that's dope. They're like, let's go do it. You better go do it, right? 
So I appreciate that for sure, man. What uh, what about your trip to the states? Cause you got to go home on a surprise visit. Yeah, it wasn't much as a, uh, of a surprise visit, you know. For all the listeners out there, I uh, I lost somebody uh, close to close to me, you know, and my grandmother, and um, uh, it was it was it was expected, but I was intending to get there before it actually happened, and so so my entire trip in the states, in, in terms of funeral, a lot of travel, the COVID situation in the U.S. People in the U.S. just wear a mask, and um, you know, uh, trying to get back to the UAE was uh, quite challenging. So it wasn't necessarily the the relaxation um, period that I needed, but it was good to see family in in whatever capacity I could see them. What was what was the atmosphere like just being home though? Because you know, I'm sitting here talking to him like like I'm locked in jail or something. And I don't. And I'm, <laughs> still, I'm still counting the calendar because I haven't been home since 2019, <laughs> like August 2019. Well, let's just say it was strange. That's all I can say. It was an awkward feeling being home, even when I touched down in the airport, just because you could see that. America is divided right now. We know that there's been underlying issues for the past 30, 40 years um, that has been bubbling and, and now they finally come to the top and, and a lot of people are walking on eggshells and it's, um, it's a powder keg. Mm-hmm. And um, it, just didn't, it just didn't feel the same as when I typically would go home from, you know, from being overseas or something like that. And so it was, it was very, very strange. But again... Whenever you can see your your loved ones in any capacity, cherish the moment because you never know when you're going to get that moment again. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and that's something we definitely have to take into consideration being over here with the time difference. And sometimes we have to sacrifice sleep to sleep to talk to family. <laughs> but you talked about... Uh, you talked about... Um, the difference in, in climate because it's something we have to, do, to address. Because as we speak right now, um, the president is giving his inauguration speech and they're going through that. I saw the photos of um, Kamala and Michelle Obama there looking stunning um, and just to change and things. You've been a lot, a lot longer than me. You've seen, I guess, have you you've been through Reagan? Yes. Well, well, you've been Reagan, both Bushes. Jimmy uh, Carter. Jimmy Carter, yep. Clinton, yep. Obama, yep. and uh, 45, <laughs> and, and then I go through Biden. But, like, right. talk about, like, the difference between these last two presidential shifts and everything you've seen before. You know, not to get any into any uh, political avenues, uh, but it's just the difference in, in being a professional mm. and not being a professional. That's mm. just... The simplest way I can put it. Yeah, yeah, that's serious. You you leaving some stuff out though, man. I'm leaving a lot of stuff. But well, we, well, we, I, we don't need to get into that just because now we're at a point in time where it's time to move forward and, yeah. and correct things. Well, let's talk about and, that. And get let's, back to normal. Let's talk about where you think we go from here, because you know, out of all those tough situations, you talk about how 2010 ended different. You was like, you can't hold on to those things, right? You're saying we got to move on. And this is something that 
you'll hear people talk about, but <coughs> moving on for us as, you know, just everyday citizens who try to find a way is different for a lot of other people, right? So how do you see, what would be your advice? Because you're <laughs> one of the most down, down-to-earth people ever. So talk, like, if you somebody else, there's somebody else just like you. You want to put it, we want to put it in real terms. We want to start going forward by being honest and telling, being truthful. Let's, you know, we all know that there's certain situations where you hear things that you don't like, you don't agree with, but we all know that at some point in time, you appreciate that because you at least know how to deal with people and you know what the situation is. But when you're being told falsehoods, there's no way you can really progress as a person, as a as a family, as a country, a community, what have you, if you don't know the truth. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we start in terms of turning the country back around, in my opinion, because there's going to be always opposition. But to start to, by telling the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, then we start, after we start telling the truth, let's start calling out what we see for what it is. Accountability. You know, it's accountability. Whether it's social injustice by... Um, Police brutality and yeah. um, uh, abuse of power and abuse of authority, things like that. You know, and you know, and that's not to condemn the police force because I have a I have a brother that's a police officer. Mm-hmm. I have a cousin that's a police officer. But you know, anybody that's a bad seed, we got to call them out. Mm-hmm. We got to hold them accountable because they are bringing a, a dark stain on the entire department, mm-hmm. and we can't have that. And I you know. And people need to get out of the narrative of believing that the average citizen doesn't support the black and blue. Mm-hmm. They support mm-hmm. them. They just don't support the ones that abuse their power. Yeah. It's, it, it goes back to, um, to what we talk about with basketball, right? We talk about star players. When you get to an organization that just has a bad system, you pick up those bad habits. Right. Like those individuals don't go into all. I know people that went into the police force as well, and they were generally great people before they got in there. But a system is a system. Right. <laughs> like it's important. You send, um, let's say, uh, anybody who leaves the Wizards organization and goes anywhere else, they're going to flourish. Right. That's what we say. It's a, that's a joke amongst the basketball work. As soon as they leave, Chris Webber, Juwan Hart, whoever else, when they leave, they're going to get it together because the system is just different. And it's the same way there. And I think that's America as a whole with the, um, with the wealth gap, um, with, with the gender, gender disparity with things. It's just the system is bad. You know, you got, they, they need a detox. Just like I said, I'm going to detox to get my digestive system some time to relax and get back together. We just need a detox. And hopefully... You know, this next four years gives us the stability we need after, you know, four years of some some rough turmoil, which affects the entire world here in Dubai. The first time for me being out of the country and I'm seeing vividly how politics in the U.S. affects the economies around the world. Right. That's, that's, That's crazy. But. That's just a little something for you guys, you know, to let you know that the basketball guys got a little bit more to, to say than just, you know, X's and O's. So well, I have a lot more to offer than just yeah. basketball. I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. But, you know, we won't get into that just because we don't want to uh, overstep our bounds. We want to keep this uh, inviting for everybody. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll find creative ways to, to share that because it is important. Because as you and I both know, um, Everybody doesn't have like positive adult influences, 
Right? That's one of the advantages I think a podcast gives people is that you know how back in the day um, you could go sit on your porch with your grandpa or your uncle, whoever tells those great stories or whoever just gives you those moments. and just You sitting down talking and listening, you can get some game from it. Right? Or you're in a barbershop and you can just listen to the old heads talk. Right, Everybody doesn't have that these days. And you know, people, whether they were right or wrong, you know, I'll get around a space table or whatever else. They definitely were right or wrong. <laughs> they just are talking though, right? So now we some guys, we we are responsible with our with the way we approach things. We we definitely gotta share it in a res- responsible manner. But those things that come as we progress and get more creative for how to deliver it. But I had a vacation of my own because you were gone. <laughs> Lord knows I love that. Lord, Lord, I love this guy to death, but man, I didn't. I was chilling. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was chilling. You mean typically what you do Monday through Friday? Yeah. Look, look, we wouldn't be here still living and thriving if I was just chilling and you were working all alone. I mean, let's. I look, guys. He was supposed to be back here January third, right? And we started our season again January fourth. We, I knew before he left that wasn't gonna happen. I knew it wasn't gonna happen. So, you know, who steps up? You know, holds down a fort for a week and a half. You know, everything dolo. Which Shout I out don't. to Coach Ethan for stepping <laughs> up because Coach Ryan couldn't do it by himself. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But, um, you know, he was he had to follow. He had to follow lead somewhere. But you know, as a as a young book, that's one of those things that happens. If you're a rookie on a team or freshman on a team, anything, you just gotta take the hazing, right? <laughs> but you also gotta make sure you show up and remind them that, hey, I'm here. You can haze, but you gotta got about six more months of that until playoffs start. You know you need me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but speaking of basketball, I don't know. I think I think people know this. I don't know, but James Harden switched teams. I think I think the entire world may know by now. I think Jay Hart switched teams. You know, um, a lot of things transpired. Like every day, we were just sitting, we were trying to figure out when we were going to start the podcast again. And I was like, man, they just giving us more and more to talk about. But um, from from the overweight, so they said, the eye shape, so they said. Um, you know, the, the last press conference there to where he said it was the first time he spoke publicly about the um, the situation in Houston where he said it's something that just can't be fixed. The team isn't good enough, <laughs> you know, to Boogie and Wall feeling disrespected about it. To about 48 hours or 24 hours later, him being traded to the Brooklyn Nets. And James Harden is an MVP, a scoring champion. Um, you know, 30s and 30, 10 and 10s is, is, is regular deal. You know, Clint Capella, you got your contract because you played there. <laughs> he got Clint Capella paid, right? PJ Tucker, too. A lot of those different guys. All right, shout, out to P- P- shout out to PJ Tucker. He's still waiting for his contract. Yes. Well, he, he is. He is. And he, and it's going to be tough now that, that, that we don't, he doesn't have hard in there, but a lot of people, you know, have their best. Had their best moments there with him, but Harden is a a net. He's there. Victor Oladipo is a rocket, and I'm only going to name names that are going to play because 
I remember Dante Axum's draft night, and they were comparing him to potentially being like MJ. And me and my guys are like, yo, these international scouts are going crazy. What's my man's name? Is it Fran? No, it's not Fran. Who does the international? Um, oh, I, I can't remember. You know his face, though. It's not Fran for Schiller, is it? No. I know, I know who you're talking about, but it's not him. But either, I don't care who it is. Yeah. That's a terrible comparison. Yes, yes. No, he was he was terrible. But um, we have that. Uh, Karis Levert is a pacer. And then a bunch of draft picks got shifted around. Um, and then the Cavaliers got Jared Allen and Torian um, Prince. Talk to me, OG. <sighs> Let me just say this first with all the picks that um... – Brooklyn gave up. Yeah. They're putting all their money into now. Everything. If, you know, and if, if, if they don't win a championship, it was a bust. But, yeah, but what's – I think it's a, isn't that a better bet, though? Like, what can you really hold in draft picks sometimes when you know for sure you can get James Harden? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about the amount of picks. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Because when you think about it, you're expecting them to get to the finals this year. If they don't win it this year, the average fan is going to say, dang, they fell short. Yeah. But the guys who know basketball will be like, mm-hmm. that was right on pace. Yeah. That's yeah. right on pace. Mm-hmm. They just need a taste of it, and then they'll come back next year with a vengeance. But I'm saying that in terms of giving up all that you gave up and you gave up your interior defense when you gave uh, the kid to the to Cavaliers. Jared Allen. Jared Allen. That what is your window? Let's be honest. You know, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden, James Harris from Virginia. Joe. Joe Harris, I'm sorry. Joe Harris. Um, you know, Dan Liddy will be back next year. That'd be a big plus. But what is the window? Is it is it two years? Could it stretch to three years, you know? Just because with those salaries. Who could they possibly bring in next year as an addition? Um, but I think they have – I believe they have three roster um, spots left. I know, but I'm, I'm with, talking about the – What's the I'm free agent? The, I'm talking about the types of money available that they can bring somebody in. Let's see. Um, what's the, I wonder what the free agent pool is right now because um, that will be able to tell a lot. And let's see. We'll have Ethan look that up and pull it there. But I think – when you talk about Harden, you talk about James Harden, and you know we watch basketball heavily. We watch it extensively, so we know that James Harden is a very, very, very good playmaker. And I think that was unlocked because of Mike D'Antoni. And people aren't saying much about it. I might have seen Richard Jefferson or maybe one other person say it, or Kenny Smith maybe. But Mike D'Antoni is on the staff at Brooklyn. Yeah. He's on the staff. That's 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 MVP coach right there for for Harden. That's Harden's best years as an assist. And I believe Harden has led the league in assists in the fourth quarter, where he's been one of the leading assist getters there. Right. So now you pair him with that man, you know, Mister Mister KD. <laughs> you know, KD tore his Achilles last year. <laughs> 
You know that? After 30 right now. This is a different, this is a different specimen right there. So you pair him with that. You pair him with great shooting on the outside, Joe Harris. And I, and Joe Harris is is formidable outside of just shooting. You can put him on some pin downs. He can he can finish around the rim a little bit. He's a solid little rebound defender. Like he's, he's a, a tier, he's a lethal shooter. He's a good player. But he, he's a he's a solid all around player. You got Shaman. You got a couple young guys around there. You got Bruce Brown. Um, I I do think they they're hedging their bet. They're betting on uh, DeAndre Jordan. I don't know. I like Jeff Green though. I like Jeff Green a lot with them. Jeff Green, you know, he was their third leading scorer a couple of times in these most recent games. But I think at the end of the game, you have the ball as a leading guard, as a point guard, you have the ball in Harden's hands, and you're good. What you think? And, <laughs> and this is this is me. This is me assuming that we'll talk about Kyrie in the next segment. But this is assuming that you got Kyrie on the floor, you got Harden on the floor, and you got KD on the floor. For me, I'm putting the ball in Harden's hands as a lead guard to initiate offense. As as a coach, I'm putting the ball in Harden's hands too. Mm-hmm. My only issue is that a lot of Harden's playmaking comes from him pounding the ball so much in Houston because it was it was basically a five out offense. Even though Capella was there, and you could say four out one in. He was really a non-factor, and they spaced him out. He wasn't getting the ball anyway. He was, you know, just staying in the dunker spot. But is he going to be able to continue to be successful once you get into the playoffs, pounding the ball and making somebody react, getting by that person, drawing the second guy, and then kicking to a Kyrie on the left or a KD on the right? And and that's my thing because the Houston offense always became stagnant in the playoffs and and Harden always suffered in terms of his numbers. So this is where I think the, the difference comes in. Because one, even though it's not proven yet, we we're still trying to figure this out. I I do believe that Steve Nash is gonna have an influence on how that works. Because even with the few games that we've watched so far, the ball has been moving. You know, KD, I remember KD and, and Harden, both have been making extra passes off the dribble, less dribbles, moving it a little bit more fluently. I mean, in his first game, he had a 30-point triple-double with like 10-plus assists. Yeah, so Orlando. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I, I think the difference is is, is um what he's saying. Right, you made that effort to get out of – Force your way out of Houston, right? And you said it's because right now you got the money, right? You hit those individual accolades, but now you want to win a ring. And, you know, they asked him about sacrificing and all those things, and he said, I'm a hooper. You know, we resonate with that because, you know, if you're a hooper, you can pair me with anybody. Yeah, I respect that. And I think that the anchor he has in KD Changes a lot of those things because I I think Harden is a really really smart basketball player, so I don't know I don't think that he's like some other superstars who, you know, they may want things a little bit harder, but I think he knows it's going to be easier using KD and having KD there because you you can't do no double teaming and then when you have Kyrie there, you can't do much double teaming on either one of them. So what do you do then? So I, I think the best decision. I'm is not. I'm not saying he's not a smart player. I'm, 
not saying he's not a talented player. I'm just saying that the mode in which he gets other people involved, it's a little stagnant. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I just need to see something different. That's all. Yeah. You know, right now it looks good because it's the regular season. We all know when it's regular season, a lot of times coaches don't focus on certain things and and basically they let them play. You know, but when you get in a playoff situation, then they start to take certain things away. And I want to see the adjustment. That's all I'm saying. Because we're not talking about the, we're not questioning the greatness and brilliance of James Harden. That's undeniable. We're talking about what is he willing to do to take the next step in the playoffs. And in addition to that, we we, you know, we have to talk about the defense. Well, yeah, that I was mean, that was going to be next because I don't think I wanted to bring that up next because they're small now. Right, without DeAndre doing, they're really undersized now. And if you got Kyrie on the floor too with all of them, they're undersized. You know, KD, you're big, and so you understand you don't have much girth down there. So that is something we're gonna have to see change. But you know, you can win that way, especially that. But what I was gonna say was was interesting is in the interview, post game interview, they talked about we talking about schemes, you know, and as we go on through the podcast, because you know you forgot more basketball than a lot of people know, right? So we'll talk about X's and O's and schemes, so people can kind of understand how um, technical basketball really is, how much of an art it is. But you you can't really do too many things against this Brooklyn Nets team because of the weapons that they do have, right? Correct. So I do see – I did remember um, in a post-game interview, Harden said, you know, there are only about three or four different things that a team can do against us. Right. So right now we're working out the Kings, Kings to figure it out. In, the, in this season, right, in the regular season. So that way when we get to the playoffs, we're prepared for it. So already I'm saying that, okay, maybe mentally, you know, he's sounding good, but I've never heard Harden talk this much. I've never seen him smile this much either. <laughs> and then he, left, he left Houston in that night, that nightlife. We won't say exactly what it is because there are kids listening. <laughs> but he left Houston and he smiled. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there's no question that they are a they are a nightmare for the opposing coach in terms of game planning for them. It's I think for myself and I think for other people, I think the the question is we're just waiting to see if if you know if an old dog can change his tricks. That's this the only thing you know. If they, if if James Harden decides to to continue to play this way. And Kyrie does come back, and Kyrie decides to, you know, be off the ball. Oh, they're going to the finals, no question about that. Well, you know, if they do those things, the defense isn't as much of an issue until they get to the finals. Yeah, I I just want to make one statement. I've seen a lot of people say that how is it going to work when all three of those guys are ball dominant? I just want to be clear: Kevin Durant is not ball dominant. You just have to give him the ball. That's all that is. Katie doesn't need a lot. Katie's one of the most efficient players I've ever seen at seven foot. And and there's going to be time when we really have um, a breakdown of like how great that that walking bucket is at seven foot and the way he moves, the way he plays, like as a two guard type of feel, and it's just just different. But Katie's not ball dominant. Like Katie gonna get Katie got forty points the other night on like eighteen shots or something like that. Like you get eighteen, 
And it is and you guys are gonna be high scoring any anyway. There's still enough shots over there for for Harden because Harden got in. There's still enough for for Kyrie, <laughs> and those guys are high percentage scores as well. It's not like they're volume shooters, you know. Some other guys I won't name names, but they don't need 15, 20 shots to get a dub because they get to the free throw line too. So that's gonna be interesting. That's yeah. a different way. But I saw somebody saying they're not really excited for this big three like they were other ones. Like, no, it's going to be exciting. This it's, is this is box office. Like, what do you rank this amongst those trios of stars? Well, before playing, you know, just just all skill set because I know you we look at things different based on winning. But when you got guys like um, you know, of course, Clay, Steph, and and um, and KD, uh, who else is Bosh, D Wade. And LeBron, you got Magic, Kareem, Worthy. I know I'm missing a couple. Robert Parrish, McKay, yes, 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 yes. You know, there's a, there's a lot of them. You know, you're talking about um, Will Chamberlain, Jerry West, um, uh, Elgin, Elgin Baylor. I mean, there's been a a lot of. This is, I mean, they're right up there. Yeah, they're right up there. You know, the only difference is between them and the other groups that they haven't had a chance to. Finish their book yet? Yeah, that's it. You know they're still writing their chapters. Yeah, you know, but they're, no, they're this bo- this is box office. This is when you will go, you will pay for a ticket. Absolutely, I'm there. High price in Brooklyn, <laughs> we go hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but um, but that that leads to a question though, because as I said, Kyrie, we're gonna talk about Kyrie here. Um, we're gonna go basketball first because that's what Kyrie is. Kyrie's a hooper, right? Well, that's one of the things Kyrie is, is a hooper. So we'll start there. So this is the question that my group chat and I have had already. We talk about is where do you put Kyrie? Not where you think Kyrie's going to go, but you from a coaching standpoint, you go into Kyrie, and where are you going to put him? On the floor. Yeah, of course on the floor. You're on the floor. You got those three guys. Let's say let's say on the floor you got um, KD, you got – Joe Harris, you got A um Harden, Kyrie, and let's throw in DeAndre Jordan. All right, KD your stretch four. And it's 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 no brand. I'm putting him at the two because that's where he's had the most success in his career. And I'm gonna talk to him and say, Hey Kyrie, this this is not a knock on you in terms of you not having the ball and being quote unquote a traditional point guard. It's a compliment to you being the best player that you can be and helping us win. Him at the two, he might be a little undersized on the other end, but on the on the offensive end, you got problems. Yeah, and he don't have to guard the two, right? But all right, you just said what you would say to him, and that shit not working. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. You you always tell you always tell me forget that get right to it. You know you're not going into no player meeting or anything or anything with around a team because you don't talk like that to us <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I like, know. Like like and Kyrie specifically because you got to approach it differently, right? Yes. And it's it's curious. Like people don't get to see how coaches think and how they think about their approach and how they talk and stuff. So from your standpoint, like how would you really? How would you set the scene and talk as a pro, too? Because, you know, that's a different talk. Well, 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 what would I mean, you do? There's it's, it's, it's two different avenues here. One is the avenue where you're somebody such as a, a, a super well-respected veteran coach, like a Phil Jackson, a, 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 a Chuck Daly, somebody, where you can kind of speak your mind and that player will respect you and the organization backs you up. 
But you can be a rookie coach, and you got to go in there with kid gloves on it because, one, he makes four times, five times more than you make, and you're a rookie coach. They're going to get rid of you before they get rid of him. So that's what I'm saying. You're going to go in there and talk to him about what he can do to help this team to the best of his ability. And, and that's, that's how you got to approach it if you're Steve Nash. And I got I to gotta look at it that way because Steve Nash is the current coach. But Steve Nash is Steve Nash. And I know you say that's not the coaching thing, but that does play a difference. Man, listen. I listen to you different because you play. No, 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 no. I don't even want to talk about as a player. I'm talking about as just as general perception of a fan watching the game. We all know how they already perceive Steve Nash by the statements that they've already made. Because in their mind, they're thinking that Steve Nash has the job because of them. But in all reality is, Steve Nash has the job for two reasons. 70% of it is KD wanted him there. 30% of it is because Steve Nash was a great player. And he was a great point guard in terms of distributing the ball and getting everybody in their spots and making them happy. And they're thinking it can translate over to Kyrie. So that's the situation. Okay, but you, let's say you are two-time MVP, Steve Nash, right? Everybody say you're one of the best ever in the pick and roll. Yep. Right? Like, un- undoubtedly, you stole one of Kobe's MVPs. Okay. Some piece of my guy. But you were, you led, you got Amari his best years. You got Sean Mary in his best years. Matrix. Matrix. You got a lot of guys in best years. You were able to manage the game differently. You had high skill set with the ball in your hands, similar type of skills to what Kyrie got. So you, just you, when you go into your room, it's just you guys. Maybe you pull them, you know what I'm saying, y'all go get a steak dinner, you invite them to the house, you sit them down. How are you going to talk to them? Here we go again, man. If, if I'm Steve Nash, I'm a totally different, I'm I'm JK now. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, listen, man, this yeah. is what you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? This is what we need you to do. This is what you're capable of doing. This is what we ask, what we're asking of you to do. Yeah. And if you do these things, you're going to accomplish all of your goals, all the team goals, and everybody's going to be happy. And that's how I'm going to approach it. And if you don't want to accept this role, we can easily move on without you. That's just how I operate. Because you know, you, so you're talking about me being in that position, and I happen to have the credentials and the cachet of, of experience. As a Steve Nash, then you know me. I'm I'm walking. I don't care. Yeah. But you know me. That's just me, though. Yeah. But Steve, I, like, Nash, I want to hear that. Though. I want to hear that. You know, I got real censors here. You know, <laughs> I you know the real me would go in there and say something else but, and do something else. But my my guy back home, my guy OJ said, "Let it fly, King." Nah, I, can't, I can't do it. OJ don't know where we at. Shout out to OJ. I appreciate that. When we come stateside in summer. It'd be a little different, but not now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it um, tight. But no, uh, you know, Steve Nash, and, and Steve Nash, even as a player, was never outspoken. Yeah. I remember, look, let's, let's say it blatantly, right, because I'm calling you out. You said that coaching staff is soft. It's soft. It's, I mean, it is. Let's, let's face it. And, and I'm not saying it's not, a, it's not a knock against them or anything, but it's just their personality. You know, Coach D'Antoni has been – a head coach, a successful head coach in the league for years. But who, well, who else is on the Nets coaching staff? Is uh, uh, Amari Stoudemire? Amari Stoudemire, and I, I wanted to say it was a guy from Kentucky. I couldn't even remember his name. So I mean, I, I Jock Vaughn. 
No, no. No, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but it, it's it's a quiet, mild mannered staff. I mean, it's it's nobody outspoken, and nobody gonna necessarily, you know, yank you up by your collar and say, "Hey, man, you know, this is what you need to do." Blah, blah, blah. But you know, you know, they are who they are. No Doc Rivers is what you were saying. Correct. Yeah. Well, I see it. I I'm I'm anxious to see it because it's beautiful, man. I do think that's going to be um interesting way. I think they need to add a few pieces for sure, though. Um, they definitely got to get that going. But you're gonna see Royal Ivy. That's who it was. We were talking about. Oh, I mean, M M A U Doka. Um, yeah. And Royal Ivy. That's one of Katie's boys from Texas. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember. I think he was in OKC before too, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be interesting for sure. But so when we get there and we talk about um, Kyrie again, because as we speak today, Kyrie just had his I think the day before the nineteenth he had his first press conference um, addressing the media. I know, Coach, you saw the video. Uh, I did. I, I got some I got some reflections on it. Um, I think mine are gonna be a lot different than what most people have been saying. But um, what do you what do you what do you but, see? But you're saying your reflection is going to be somewhat different from what everybody's saying. What, what are your reflections? Well, for me, it wasn't more so what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen anybody do it, talk about this yet. And um, maybe I missed a few things because we, you know, we're nine hours ahead over here. But it was his body language. For me, the way he was, the way he was sitting, well, he wasn't even sitting, the way he was laying on the, on there. Um, you know, it's it's a, I, I say this jokingly sometimes, but I'm dead serious when I tell it. I have female friends, lady friends, women friends um, that I care about and my friends. And, you know, they always ask me these things. And I always tell them, yo, be weary of a guy who has weird facial hair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The guy that mustache, like, why you got your mustache like that and everything else in the five o'clock shadow, right? <laughs> but then, you know how girls, women will cut their hair in, like, drastic situations or something right. like that. I'm looking at Kyrie and... For me, he looks healthy to his symbol. You know, you know that that shave that he got there, and then he's leaning on the table like there, and and the gestures he's talking. And for me, for what I was taught, what I was taught, what I've learned, and you know, different areas that I've been, that nonverbal communication says a, a lot about where they are with things, right? So he said a lot of great things, but for me, what was more telling was his posture at that moment. Um, I think that. Uh, there are some things beyond basketball that are pushing him, bothering him. Uh, you know, there he's on some soul searching. You know, you spent the and I, I get it too because you know we play basketball and we worked hard at it, but to get to where a lot of these people got, they had to get to extreme hours, right? They had to put in a lot of time, and some of those people don't spend time like figuring other parts out about themselves. So now that he finally got everything and, you know, he's looking for meaning in his life, it may be like, man, I am a superstar now, so I got responsibilities. So the limelight is on everything that I do. But on the other end, I my 28 years of existence has been all basketball. And I'm sitting here rich and my people are going through what they're going through. You know, so I think he was struggling with that. But as a superstar lens, though. So, you know, people are, aren't forgiven with that. Right. You know what I'm saying? You you are who you are. As Stephen A. Smith said, we, you know, how, how it may sound terrible, but you're getting paid 30 mils 
You know, like we we want to see you who. Right. That's what you do. We want to see you who. Right. It's, it's it's tough because you know everybody that understands uh, you know mental illness or 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 not even mental illness, but somebody going through tr- uh, challenging times. You know, you have your ups and your downs, and you you sometimes you 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 know you make moves that are uncharacteristic of you, but. I think everybody's at a point now with Kyrie that we just want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's it. That, that's the bottom line. If you're going to come out and you're going to give us 40% of what's going on, you're going to give us hints and we got to kind of figure out what it is and we got to guess, then people are going to, people are going to say, 50% of people are going to say you're crazy. 50% of people are going to say you just don't want to play anymore. And you don't want to own up to it. So that's the only thing. Like for me, you know, I've, you and I have gone back and forth about Kyrie's actions and his words, the, you know, what he said in the last two or three years. And I've never been alarmed about his mental state until now. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like there is something actually going on with him. And I'm saying because he's at a place now financially that he's going to be okay, that I think he needs to take time away from the game for real. And and be fair to yourself. Be fair to your team. Be fair to the organization. Be fair to the fans. And and people will be a little more forgiving in terms of what takes place now. But right now, everybody's guessing because you're not giving us any indication what's going on. That's the only thing. That's the the tug and the pull, right? Because... He didn't pick up the basketball hoping and wishing and dreaming of having to have his entire life on display to people, having to say that you're obligated to tell people what this is, that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just talk about, you just think about why hoopers hoop, you know, why they get into that space. So adjusting to that, because that's like, I don't know what it is, what it's like to be, Kyrie Irving or LeBron or whoever else, or even even more so Kyrie, because Kyrie isn't a guy who coming out like you expected him to be like KD and all those other guys with just limelight. Because he's not he's not a generational talent like a KD or Bron. He's not he's he's not that boring special type. Yeah, you know, no, but you, you talk about limelight from the beginning of a different yeah, space. I'm, right? I'm, I'm about so, to explain it to you. you no, know, but you, I don't think you can explain the because I can understand what Kyrie is having to subject himself to to where people feel like they gotta know everything no, about your life. No, I no one has to know everything about your life, but we're talking about listen, here's the thing. With playing in the NBA. NFL, your your you know your major golfer, tennis player, what have you. You get the fame, you get the fortune, and unfortunately, you have people prying your life. That's just part of the that's the part of the whole thing, and nobody necessarily wants that. But we all know it's a part of the job. That's come on, man. We know that. And Kyrie is a guy that. The, the moment I saw him in high school when a friend of mine who was also a top guard in Jersey said, hey, this kid is the next cat. Yeah. I, I saw him play one time and I wasn't the only person. Everybody in America said he's that dude. For sure. To go to Duke and have Coach K 
change his philosophy, you're that dude. To get drafted in the NBA lottery pick, number one, after playing like 11 games, you're that dude. Hold on. Kwame Brown was number one pick. In the I'm NBA. sorry. Yeah. Anthony Bennett. Blue All right, but yeah. Number one pick for the young. <laughs> I'm saying. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that to only play that many games in your small rock, you are a yeah. generational talent. The only issue is that you just have to accept what you are. You are you are this generation's Allen Iverson without without the hair, without the um, you know, the urban attire and things like that. You're how can I say you're the more how can I say it? The Duke version. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the Duke version. Even though I think John Moran is coming for that, but yeah. And, not the Duke version though, but yeah, in, in, but you know what I'm saying, embrace it. And so if if that's not if you're not, and we can't say that you didn't know what comes with it because your pops was a hooper. Yeah, but but coach, this is this what I'm saying. I don't think no, no. any of this has anything to do with basketball. I'm just talking about like, like you get. I mean, I I get to this point too, to where I sometimes I struggle with stuff with with people feeling like they're entitled to hear something from me or you know being a certain space of mind. And I'm just and I'm just here. I'm not who I am. I'm not Kyrie, right? Like, no matter of who you are or where it is or whatever, what fame you may have gotten, whether you want it or not, like, you are still human in a certain place. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, if you really, 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 really struggling with some stuff and somebody that you know don't care about it, they'll take your words and put it to wherever else it is, no matter what you tell them, it goes this way and that way. And on top of that, on top of that, we don't know what his family may be dealing with and stuff. But you get that million, like, you... Think about we feel we do we we deal with, deal with what we deal with as black people, um, black people, people of color or whatever you want to say, melanated people, right? Without money, right? So you you know some people think some people think they get their money and some of those problems are solved. You know they didn't get a rude awakening or whatever. So then you get to that same spot, right? You up there, you in the middle of all this stuff here, you figuring stuff out. Grandma's died and everything else, and you hear me like yo people like. You worried about what I'm doing, but none of you are sitting here stepping out helping with all these real issues that we have here. I'm doing it I'm, daily. Listen, I get that. Nobody's there. I get that. And this, listen, everybody out there, I want you to understand. I understand. I'm telling you, I understand. What I'm saying to you is, since the beginning of time, there's never been anybody who has been in a high position of whether fame, fortune, or power, or whatever, that didn't go through these things. And all I'm saying is that, and I think Stephen A. Smith kind of alluded to this, is that if you've gotten to that point and you're not happy, luckily for you, you're at a point where you can say, you know what? I step back for a minute. And all people want to know is just like, what's going on? And, and the thing is, the way society is now, as forgiving as society is and as understanding as society is, is if you give, if you let everybody know just a hint, hey, I'm going through something, I need a moment. You know what? We wouldn't even be talking about Kyrie in a negative light right now. But the mere fact that he has, he's come, he's gone. He's come, he's gone. And we don't know, but yet he's super articulate, very intelligent, and 
he's talking to the media. So it's almost as if he's toying with us yeah. as fans who actually, you know, whether he would believe it or not, or whether the average person would believe it or not, we do care mm -hmm. if you are a human being. And that's all I'm saying. And I think that's what a lot of, of other people are saying. Now, there are some idiots out there that only want you to play. And you know what? That's okay. You know why? Because they do pay high price um, tickets to come to the game and whatnot, and you make a, a super stupid salary. But the end of the day is you have to make a choice, make a decision, whether do you want to stay and deal with it or not, or do you want to step away from it? It's just like me in the average day life. I told you, I came here, things were a little crazy, and I was able to maintain because I trust you. Mm -hmm. I like you. I value you. If you weren't here, I'd be gone. You know why? I have the luxury of being able to go anywhere I want, and I can work. Mm -hmm. I won't be rich, but I can work and have peace of mind. And so that's what, that's what people are saying. Kyrie has the opportunity to stop for a moment and have peace of mind. And do you think Kevin Durant will hold it against him? No. Homie, go get yourself together if you need it. James Harden will come in and say, you know what? We got, I got it until you get back. The Nets organization would say, you know what? We fully understand. We'll take care of it until you get back. That's all people are saying. That's, that's what an adult does. Whether you have <clears throat> certain issues or not, as, as long as your, um, your whereabouts have not left you, you're able to do that. And that's, that's all people are saying. That's all I'm saying. True, true. Well, agreed. Like very, very valid, very valid. Understood. And, and I do believe that he did, you know, bring some things upon himself with the, the tug and pull with the media. PR and state being and all those things. And he did hold himself accountable he within. He's right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he held himself accountable within um, within that last press conference saying that it's partly him not opening up. So with that being said, the first game back tonight, it could be his first game back tonight, and we're recording on a Wednesday, mm. twenty, and and this gets the Cavs. <laughs> over or under? I, over, 25, over 25 or under? Under. I'm going over. Under. I'm going I'm going twenty five. Young boys from Cleveland, they're coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna talk about that because uh we're gonna talk about that later. I'm gonna give them a little bit more time. But I remember my boy BG, he's a huge Wizards fan, right? So I, me and my guy RJ, we've been telling him in a group chat for like probably since 2012. Because he also liked the Nuggets. Cause you know the hometown guys, he liked Ty Lawson when Ty Lawson was dead. We was like, look, look, bro. If you go ahead and switch your team to the Nuggets now, we get it. We'll accept it. You can put the application in. We understand. I mean, it's the Nuggets. And, you know, fast forward, being a Nuggets fan right now wouldn't be a bad idea. We started in 2012, right? But he was like, no, nah, I'm with you. Da, 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 da. So when they made the trade, right, and and Russ got there. We're going to get back to Kyrie in a second. <laughs> Russ got back there, and I was like, me and my guy RJ was like, he was hyped. We was like, look. Y'all going to finish 10th in the East. <laughs> and you want to lie because your starting center is Thomas Bryant. <laughs> you know, I hope he gets back from injury uh, and, re and recovers fully and healthy. But I was like, that, that's not going to work, big dog. It ain't. And I said, look, the Cavaliers got two young bulls, Garland and, and Colin Sexton, who can go. 
and they they've been working. And when you get to work through your reps, you got eighty two games to work through the fire as a pro with minutes. You're not paying ten minutes behind somebody. You playing full on thirty five forty, and then you get the full off season to get prepared. And then you got Andre Drummond, who's still giving thirties and twenties, playing yeah. well down there. You pair that with a good group of, of guards, man. They got Larry Nance. Who Larry Nance coming out of the bench. He's bouncing. Bouncing. And he's knocking down a trade ball. And we're talking about the East. I was like, listen, they're going to be better. I'm I'm watching them. I ain't going to say too much yet. I'm watching them. Because I'm watching Zach Levine and the Bulls, too. But we're going to get there later. We got to get them like 25, 30 <laughs> games before we break it down. But, but yeah, I got Kyrie over 25 tonight. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm under. They got a Monday? All right, we'll hold you to that. We'll have to tell Ethan to make sure we, we um, double back and check on that next week. But last thing for the next segment. Okay. Game seven. Eastern Conference Finals against Philadelphia. Tied up. Seven seconds left. Next ball. You call the timeout. You got the ball at half court. Who takes the last shot? Come on, man. Let's stop playing. <laughs> like, stop playing with me. Like, like, it's not. Listen, listen, man. There's one person on the planet right now that all 30 coaches would say we want this person. That listen, and that's even over Steve Kerr saying over uh, Steph Curry, KD. He's seven foot. He's a seven foot two guard. He's a seven foot George Gervin with a jumper from three. Come on, man. Like, stop playing. Like, <laughs> so, oh, Katie, so Katie take it? Not whoever hot? He's, no, Katie's <laughs> taking it. Because whoever's hot is is a situation where, okay, where well you can completely get him in a an isolation situation where Kyrie was when he hit the shot yeah. against Golden State. That's different. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about, like, it's game seven, and you want to make sure you get that shot off. Yeah. KD's getting that shot off. Yes. And it's a clean look. Because not only because he's seven foot, he's able to create space with his handle. Like, it's... It's different. It's different. You can't defend that, man. And and he's always on balance, too, when he's making those moves. You know, it's funny. um, I think uh, I saw a tweet, and C.J. McCullum had quoted and said, man, something like... Man, hard and smiling hard as hell since he got to Brooklyn. And Iggy Iguodala said, yo, you ever played with KD? Yeah. That man a god. I'm, I'm smiling too. <laughs> that man different. Talking about people in the league were saying, it don't matter what you do to KD, you can't alter his shot. Like, you don't affect his shot. Well, no it, way. Like It's two things. One, well, three, actually. We talked about him creating space with the handle. <clears throat> two, which he's, his, he's seven foot, so his release point is higher than anybody on earth. Mm-hmm. And then three, he kind of slightly cocks it behind the back of his head for a moment. So you can't block that. Yeah, and Kobe, I remember listening to Kobe RP. I always bring him up when I can, but Kobe talked about how the first year or two of, uh, the first year maybe of KD's career, he always would, like, there were certain things that he could do to push KD one way because he knew he was going to bring the ball up off a pull up across his body. And he said he could stop him a little bit there. He said, but once he figured that out, and he got that summer working out, he said it was a wrap. (laughs) Like it ain't even close no more. You know, it's that mad scientist type stuff. Those are things we'll get into later with video when we get to break down what what it's really like. But 
Okay, can he take the last shot? I'm going there too. It ain't never. It ain't never a question for yeah, me. Like, you know, yeah. You gotta be a ten year NBA coach to know that. Well, you know, sometimes you yeah. saw you saw what uh Pete Carroll did when he had um when he beast had, mode. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Beast Mode. I feel you, man. You could Oh man, that's I ain't to bring it up though. But you know, um shout out to Katie Kyrie though. Shout out to Kyrie. Um all in all, it's just good to see him back. You know, see him back in the eye. You know, it'll be good to see him on the court and get him back to the game, playing, having some fun. Um, us enjoying that dribble arsenal. You know, the, the art. It's a joy to watch, man. Yeah, him, him getting to the rim, finishing. Um, I would love to see the passer he develops into because I think that's that's untapped potential there. Um, but shout out to Kyrie, man. We hope you're good. And also, too, like, this is a personal selfish thing, but you know, I need new basketball shoes. <laughs> right. And I always wore Kobe's. Like that's that's my thing, right? But you can't really get Kobe's like that no anymore without getting resale. So the only ones on the market that aren't bulky and, and are kind of lightweight are Kyrie's and Pete and Paul George's shoes. And I'm like, man, I gotta make it the same. You know what I'm saying? Who's been balling out, you know what I'm saying? But we'll get to that another day. He always does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But speaking of that, because you know, we, there are a lot of NBA OGs who call who call people out. Some people, you know, you gotta look at sideways. But there's one that whenever he says something, <laughs> you really gotta look at it and be like, you know, it's the diesel, Shaq. Big Shaq. The big Aristotle. <laughs> Share Shaq and oh, Doctor Shaquille O'Neal. So, and this is something that happened a few weeks ago, but it was it was hilarious to me. It was hilarious to me. And if you're a real hooper, I've seen people comment on this and they say different things. But if you're a real hooper, you shy with Shaq. You you side with Shaq for sure. And and Shaq was you know he was taking his shots at Rudy Gobert. He was saying, I think he said something another tune of like, all we got to do is tell kids you just need to average 11 points <laughs> to everyone <laughs> and to get $200 million. Is that what it is now? And some people were saying that that shot is unnecessary at Rudy Gobert, but come on, man. It's facts, man. Listen, people take what Shaq says and paint him as a villain because he's seven foot. 300 pounds at the time and when he was playing, he was a gorilla, he was a monster, he was a terror on the court. But in all in all, Shaq likes these guys, but he's just talking about the game itself in terms of he's saying to the he's saying to the league, you gotta stop giving money away to people who haven't earned it. And you know, I know that people say that people will always use this as an excuse right now. Well, it's it's inflation. It's the it's the money. It's the TV money. No, 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 no. Just because you if you hit the lottery tomorrow for nine hundred million, which I think that's the lottery right now, um, are you going to necessarily just give five hundred million away because you know it, you didn't deserve it? No, I mean, well, if you can get it, you're going to take it. But these guys are getting this money, and as the average fan. We're not getting our money's worth. We talked about Brooklyn being box office. 
You tell him box office. Nah. And we're not, you know, you don't have to, your game doesn't have to be sexy, um, like KDs. It doesn't have to be spectacular, like Zions, whatever. But man. All right, but coach, look, look, look. All right. So, Stop. So look, Shaq, Shaq's best years were in um, Orlando and LA. You okay. Know that, right? And he averaged 20, about 27 and 12 in both leagues. Okay. And we know that's 27 and 12, leaving the free throws at the line. Yep. Right? So it could have been about 35 yep. both times, right? Rudy. Rudy's at 11. Oh, maybe. I think it's high as like 15 points, maybe. And like, you know, 13 rebounds or so. His high. Yeah. Not his average. Yeah, his high. He, I think his career. Shaq, average, has, his career, average, Shaq his, has a high of like 60 points one no, night. Yeah, his career average is 11 and 11. Okay. So this this <laughs> is what I was, my thing is, is if you look at uh, the, the top five centers right now, they get paid. Okay. Right. We have Carl uh, Anthony Towns. We have Rudy Gobert. Okay. Joel Embiid. We have the Joker, and we have um, Gobert and Bam, right? So the Joker is getting about thirty-two million a year. Embiid is getting about thirty-two million a year. Cat right? is getting about thirty-two million a year. He's the highest face in it. Well, no, he's thirty-two million a year. And then Rudy Gobert is getting thirty, almost thirty-five million per year for eleven and eleven. And then Bam is getting twenty-eight. And then you know you got Clint Capella and those. I think Clint getting maybe a hundred mil for his like four years, something like that. But when I look at that, those you know you go you go Joker, you go B, you go Ant Cat. Shaq is hard on Shaq is hard on all of them except for the for Joker. Sure. Except for the Joker. Yeah, can you know why? Because Joker overachieves. Yes, yes, yes. But when you when I look at that, I look at people saying Shaq is you know he. Right, Rudy Gobert, actually, I hate when people take this approach, right? Rudy Gobert was upset that Shaq was going there. And you know what he went to? I hate to see another brother tear another oh, brother down. On. Man, shut up. <laughs> you're from France. You ain't dealing with I hate to see another brother take COVID not as seriously as you do and get everybody infected. On yeah, the man. Cut it out. Like, you should have got choke slammed for that. But, but this is the thing, like, Let's say since 2000, I'll say since 2008, right? Because I'll say Pau Gasol and KG and Tim Duncan were the last, like, effective bigs. And Pau was the only one that would say he had true center, right? But since then, the game has completely changed. They're almost to where the, the center position is like a dinosaur. Right. Right? And when I look at Shaq, um, be hard on him, be be hard on Cat, be hard on, on Gobert, and he's telling those guys, yo, put him in the rim and finish him. It's because when you don't do that, you create small ball. Yep. They eliminate the need for your position. Right. Now they try to tell you that it's not, um, it's, it's not formidable. It's not a successful formula to have a big that's on the block. And you're not doing anything to prove otherwise. Right. Right? Like before this, the best players of all time we talked about the conversations was Bill Russell, it's Will, it's Kareem. You got Shaq in there, you have Akeem Olajuwon, all bigs. Now you don't talk about them at all. And the bigs that are supposed to be leading that way, they're not dominating. So Shaq calling them out for it. Yep. 
know, and that's what I was gonna say when I was mentioning that Shaq likes these guys. He's really just trying to push you. Yeah. He's just trying to help you get better because he knows that the big man position is dying out, and that's not how this game should be played. Because you know, the closer you are to ten feet, the advantage, the more of an advantage you should have, mm-hmm. and 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 it's almost like. Gino Ariyama for UConn women's basketball. Mm-hmm. People give him a hard time because he always talks. He's a little arrogant, but there's a guy who coached me. Shout out to Steve Key, coached me in Germany. He was the head coach for the Chicago Sky. Mentioned me one time that Gino was always like that because he's trying to build the game of basketball for women. Because he said, you know what? Everybody says that we're a juggernaut. Everybody says that Coach Pat Summit is a juggernaut of Tennessee. Um, Texas, Texas was a juggernaut at the time. Stanford was a juggernaut. You know, um, Sylvia Hatchett and North Carolina were juggernauts. How about you beat us and you build the game of basketball up as a whole for women? Mm-hmm. And that's what Shaq's trying to do for the, for the NBA, for the, for the five spot, because like you said, it's going in the small ball and those guys are – basically deemed as useless. Yeah. You know, and so now, even though you're being deemed as useless as going to small ball, you're still getting a check. So that should be more motivation to say, you know what, let me let me prove I'm worth mm-hmm. this money. You know, and so I think he's just trying to help him, man. Yeah, I agree with him, man. I'm right with him because that's all analytics. Because sure. that's something from a guy who's a cornball, sitting upstairs, watching a computer, doing stats with – with those little uh, new softwares that do things for you and everything. And they completely negate the idea of presence and what it feels like to have Shaq in the paint or on the court. And you can't put that at any percentage. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Embiid dominates a game, if you let him be who he is, that changes everything. It's funny you mention that because when Shaq played, the only guys that came through the lane dunking stuff, Jordan, and Dominique, the special guys. The, if, you were, if you were not special and you were just above average, you weren't coming down the lane if it's Shaq down there, Yao Ming down there. Alonzo. You know, Alonzo, Deadlift Shrimp. Yeah. Um, um, what's my man from Seattle, the Rain Man? Sean Kim. Yeah, yeah. They, they just control the paint a little different. And I'm saying that because you really go there and got banged on like recently, after he signed the contract, and by guards, man, he get danced on frequently, <laughs> frequently, and that's just you know that shouldn't happen. <laughs> if you can see Coach's face right now, you just, just like those guys are supposed to be saying when I come down the lane and Rudy's down there, he's just gonna punch it into the fifth row or he's gonna put me down. I think he cried one year when he didn't win uh, defensive player of the year. Well, well, didn't they have to do some? They had to. To tweak the voting to get him in the All-Star game one time? Listen, man, that's what I'm saying. Cut it out. Cut it out. Like, we trying to make you better. Go get there, man. Go get there. Like, and, why, and let me say this to everybody. Why, if you got 200 mil, why are you worried about what anybody says? Just yeah. play it. Because you know it's a fact. When, yeah. somebody, when somebody got to respond to certain things, they're insecure about it. True. And, and you know, like... Um, we're, like, we're watching. We haven't done a college basketball breakdown or anything yet because we haven't had time to check it out. But we do know one one cat, Hunter Dickinson, right? Yep. Who Hunter, we've been knowing Hunter, for me, since he's like six years old. Six, seven years old. Right? On our bench. Right? And bench just around when he was wearing those goggles and glasses <laughs> and those things. And Hunter right now is seven foot, 
Um, you know, Dematha kid from Alexandria, you know, Dematha kid at Michigan, killing it right now. He's a seven footer. He's a dominant guy, right? There's a lot of things he can do that he hasn't shown yet, but he's going right. to be a, a leaguer for sure. And when you think about the, we talk about bridging the gap, and we we give Arkan um, the flowers to you know John Thompsons of the world, John Chaney's, and all those OGs who came before us, and how they paved the way. You leave something there for your guys to come follow, right? So right now, all those bigs that are dominating in college basketball or whatever, because cause you know everything is trendy. If you don't dominate, if you're not making it seem like, oh, man, we got to go get one like him, right? You make it tough for them. Now they got to go do different things. They got to go, you know, G League. They got to go overseas. And that's just because you are handling your business there. So shout out to Hunter, man. Yeah, we want, we want, yeah, we want a lot of those younger guys coming up that are seven-footers that got to follow behind you, Rudy Gobert. You know, they're watching and they're hoping you handle business so they can get real paydays yeah. and get some endorsements like Shaq, man. Yeah. And Hunter, man, don't forget, you owe me a lot of pizza that I bought you when you was on our bench when you yeah. was younger, too. Yeah, I'm going to make that call to Miss Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to him. Shout out to my guy, Ben. Um, ben and Grant. Yeah. <laughs> but let, let's get into those, that, young, that young buck stuff. Um, we talk about the rookies, you know, the NBA rookies. This is a, and I don't know if this story will be told because this this year has been full of wild stuff already. But this is an interesting time to be a rookie in the NBA, right? <laughs> you don't have any summer league beforehand, like you know, dealing, like being a rookie in your pre-draft situation, your training cap situation, just everything, and then COVID protocols to deal with, and having to battle that, like. You, you might have a vet trying to help you, but your vet don't have any clue what's going on right now. He's trying to figure it out with you, too, yeah. right? Yeah, unless you have... <laughs> unless one of your vets is a guy that was overseas when the, like, the swine flu or something jumped <laughs> off. <laughs> he, he, he can't. The A1A1. <laughs> yeah, he can't help you. He can't help you right now. So you, everybody's figuring it out on their own. And, you know, as a guy coming straight into the league right now, and if you're able to navigate this and still perform, salute. Work, work. Especially, you know, you're, you're a top five pick, top 10, top 14. You aren't going to organizations that are winners unless you went to Golden State. But, um, you know, right now, the, the key of rookie ladder, um, as of week three, it has a uh, number one rookie in the league right now is LaMelo. Um, he's averaging 12 points. Seven boards, six assists in 25 minutes. Off the bench. Off right. the bench, too. The bench, yeah. um, you got James Wiseman, who is averaging 10, 6, and uh, one and a half blocks at 20 minutes. And, and don't get fooled, people. He's a monster. Yes. Yes. So we're <laughs> going gonna to talk about each of them individually for what we know. Uh, we got number three. We got a guy that I don't know much about, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, he's averaging 12. Two boards and five assists in 28 minutes. He's playing for Sacramento. Mm. And um, I've been hearing that he's really he's really somebody to keep an eye on. Um, Anthony Edwards, he's averaging 13, two, two rebounds, two assists in 25 minutes. And then we got another unsung guy, Patrick, Patrick Williams from the Bulls, who's averaging 10, three boards and one assist at 26 minutes per game. What do you think? I mean... That's that's who stands out to you. Yeah. That's who stands out. Yeah. Well, see, 
Well, from what you've seen, from what I've seen, I mean, we got to think about Sacramento. How many times we've seen them play? They're not on television that much. And, you know, with us, the time difference, we only get certain teams. But for sure, for me, the guy that stands out the most is Wiseman. Just because he's a guy on Golden State. They're not running any plays for him. You know, you know, I know there was a sound bite of Draymond Green talking to him about, you know, he had him in a mismatch and he wanted to get him downhill against somebody because, you know, he had the advantage or whatever. But they're not specifically running anything for him. And he's in the right spots at the right time. And he's finishing at will. And when he's open, he's taking, you know, he can shoot the three. I mean, for me, he's the most impressive. But I will say a close second, of course, is that man in Charlotte because he's coming off the bench and, and getting loose. But it's a little misleading sometimes because when you come off the bench, you are going up against the second team a lot of times. But you're a rookie, so I got I to take my hat off to you. Yeah. And, but, and he's been like those, you know, he recorded a triple-double and all those things and it might get, get some mass or something. So he's been in some tough places. I think the one, the one thing about all of this is Wiseman has the best vets around him. Sure. So that's what helps. Like, like Anthony Edwards, I hope he gets out of Minnesota soon. <laughs> like for his, I hope Rich Paul makes something happen. Cause it, have you seen any of those clips? I don't see him. No, but have you seen him? Just the clips of him play. Just no. His highlights and his. No. Day. He got too much ability and and too much potential to be stuck there. In yeah. that spot. They need to just make sure KG can find a way to, to get ownership of that team and just get it together. Because, man, you know, because Anthony Edwards, he get, he got some some stuff with him. He got some stuff with him. But I agree with you as far as, um, you know, Wiseman. And that's that thing about being a seven-footer. Your potential just is, is unreal. And when you're a seven-footer who can run like a deer, you got great hands. You put on the floor. You put on the floor. You got good touch. You know, he has a good, good feel for the game. And then you put him a guy around a guy like Draymond who's going to talk for – I don't know how much longer Draymond going to be a warrior, but that's just my take. But for a while he's there, he's going to be feeding you. Draymond's one of the best basketball minds in the league right now. Yep. Right? So just having that around that young, that's going to be big. And I love I love what LaMelo is doing too. Um, I don't know how much longer they can just bring him off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's going to change too. Because you know what you talked about it too. One thing that's been impressive for me is his rebounding. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know how much longer they can do that for him. I think he got to get some more some more clock. Um, but we'll see. But I, I definitely want to see Anthony Edwards in a better situation, man. Hey, man, you get the, you go to Minnesota, Sacramento, certain places like that. Whew. Hmm. Sacramento got potential though. They working on getting better. They getting better. They they're competitive. They're doing a little bit. And you know when Sac Town get popping, that's not a bad place to play. Yeah, but they only been popping once. <laughs> they only been popping once. Shout out to Pedro Stoyakovich, Chris Weber, yeah, those guys. Man. You know, I remember Doug Christie used to get on my nerves, man. <laughs> get on my nerves. You know, Mike Bibby, those guys, man. Yeah, Jay Will. That was one time. Yeah. So Chris Weber messed that up. Like he did before. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> well, no, that's not bad. But when we talk about the league now, and we talk about the talent that's everywhere, because the, the league is healthy. The league is healthy. When you look at it, the league is healthy with talent everywhere. They got guys everywhere. But 
you sent me a picture earlier in the week um, of a quote. I think it was from Tim Duncan. It said, for a decade now, it has been about who can create the best collection of talent on one team. Uh, or it might have been a coach who said this, but the old traditional Kobe or Duncan or Dirk way of winning was pure, but you almost are guaranteed to be on the outside looking in if you go that way now. The floodgate opened in July 2010, and I believe they're referencing uh, um, when Miami happened. LeBron went to Miami. The decision. Yeah. And yeah. and that's another thing, too. Kobe, uh, Kobe was the last one to win a back-to-back chip without having those quote-unquote um, you know, superstars. So what I have here in front of me is the last 20 championship teams and their quote-unquote star players, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll start with 2020 Lakers. They got LeBron and AD. All right, 2019, they got Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. 2018, that's the Warriors stuff. So, you know, 2018, 2017 is Warriors, so you know what that is. Mm -hmm. 2016, you got LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love. Mm -hmm. Warriors, you got Steph Curry again with Klay Thompson. That was before KD. Then you got the Spurs. The Spurs, that's a that's a juggernaut. That's an organization that was built because Tony Parker wasn't Tony Parker until after he – you know, got there, Manu. Then you got the Heat in 2012 and 2013. Then after that, you got the the Mavericks. That's just dirt. You got 2010, 20, and, uh, 2009 Lakers. 2008, you got the Spurs. I mean, not the Spurs, you got the Celtics. Then 07, you got the Spurs. 06, you got um, Shaq and D-Wade. Then 05, you got the Spurs. 2004, you got the Pistons. They shouldn't have won that, but they got it. Then you got the Spurs again. They won 5-1. Yeah, for, then they got the Spurs again. Then they got the Lakers in 02 and 01. And then I think we got 2000 as well. Okay. But when you look at those, I mean, besides the, the Kobe and Shaq pair, mm-hmm. none of those are because um, Tony Parker was a draft pick. Am I correct? Yes. Manu was a draft pick. Correct. Yeah. And Tim Duncan was two for the Spurs. You know, the Spurs had that little dynasty there. But outside of everything that I named, only Kobe and Shaq was the real, like, whoa, that's the most dominant big. And then that's like the best one-on-one basketball player on the wing in the league. But it's still just two of them. So there's two surrounded by Robert Ory, Derek Fisher, right. and all of those Let's guys. Let's get into it. Let's yeah. get into it. Because I want to I wanna set the record straight. Let's stop with all the, you know, whoever said, made this comment, you know, let's stop. That's your point of view. But the actuality is there's, there have been, in the history of the NBA, there have been super teams before, you know, as we quote unquote say, a super team is three stars that teamed up together. The only difference is now there's been an awakening where guys know how to navigate free agency a little bit better. Go back, all you guys are of this age, you're under, you're under the age of 25, go and Google Oscar Robinson and his fight for free agency. You know, th- this is a situation where, you know, you get a chance to, to get in the league and you perform well and your, your management isn't doing a good job of placing pieces around you and you're getting, you're becoming stagnant, then you got to go to the best place for you. 
It's the same thing as you go to Harvard, you go, you go to somewhere else in the Ivy League, or you go to Stanford or what have you, and you come out, you go, to, you go to law school, you go to medical school, what do you do? You pick the best job for you. You go there, you get your start, and then after that, if you get a better opportunity, what do you do? You take your family and you move. It's the same thing these guys are doing now. They're putting their legacy into their hands. And I want to be clear on this. Tim Duncan and the Spurs, that's a rare situation where it's great ownership from top to bottom. Pristine. Pristine. <laughs> and, and a little bit of luck, because we all know it's luck. Because luck is involved, because you, you get Tim Duncan, and you already have David Robinson, who can groom him for the post position. And you have some guys around you, Ellie. You know what I'm saying? Mark, gotta, yes, that's what I'm saying. You have some fun. That's what I'm saying. It, it, was, it was the perfect storm. And then you get a chance to, you know, when you have a foundation like that where you have a mild-mannered superstar, you can go out and bring in those other guys now and, and, and rule the organization with an iron fist because now you either get in or you get out. That's it. That's bottom line. So you can go get those guys, and you think about it. How many other organizations were like the Spurs? Not many. Now, obviously, you mentioned Kobe and Shaq. Who do they play for? Yeah, the Lakers. It's different. You're yeah. talking about you talking about Kobe Bryant, the second best shooting guard of all time. Shaq, probably the top three center of all time. Mm-hmm. Together. Playing under the Lakers umbrella. With, yeah, with all of them. Stop playing with me, man. And if, like, you go, if you go Celtics, the same thing. You know, and, and, you know? So, so people talk about, like, you know, these guys searching together for Super Bowl. You know what? They're taking their careers into their own hands. Because you look at how many great players played in the organizations that weren't trying to win. Yeah. yeah. And Dirk, Dirk has mentioned, Dirk got lucky. Yes. Yes, and and Dirk was blessed to be in the space of where Mark Cuban is one of the, you know, most the, progressive, progressive, supportive, everything, just businessman, everything different. So, and you got to be that to win in a league where it's dominated by the Lakers and Celtics. Correct. I mean, right? it's, it's, it's completely correct. dominated. When Shaq, when when D Wade won his first one, D Wade went ham in the playoffs. But you know what? Shaq averaged 15 and 11, and then you had Gary Payton. You had Alonzo Mourning. You had other key veterans who were stars once upon a time who played their roles to the T. Mm-hmm. You know, without that, they don't win. D-Wade still goes ham. And who was head coach? Pat. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so, you know, that's those are all people who yeah. come from different spaces. Like, yes. you know, that's just the way yes. it goes. People, people, you know, the average fan... The casual fans sitting there behind the computer screen, they have no idea. You can't just plug in. This is not a video game. You got to have all the pieces in place to have an opportunity to win. That's why that move to Brooklyn to me is um, it's a good one for, for Harden. And it makes sense at this point in his career. It's not like he four years in, two years in. It's not like we didn't see him, you know, make an attempt on his own and have his shortcomings. It's one of those where he's like, all right, I'm 30, 32, whatever I have you. Like, it, I can't be Chuck. Because those those jokes, <laughs> those jokes when Shaq tell him, yo, Chuck, 
I got it. I got four over here. Kenny got two. Stop talking. Like, yeah, that's it's cute. You got commercials that say it. Like nobody wants to be that laughing stock. Whatever you say, I still got my jewel. The yeah, the the only issue with Harden that people may have is that we remember those times where in Houston where he fell short. He kind of didn't take it as seriously because I don't think at the time I don't think he knew that time was running out. Yeah, that's now it. now he knows. Yeah, so now we get to see what. What happens because I'm sure thinking back on it, he's probably thinking like, mm, I probably could skip the night in the club, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. So, and it would have been legendary if it could the way Houston was going, if he would have, you know, had a better relationship with what CP three was trying to push him towards. That would have been a legendary win. Even if they wouldn't have won the chip and they just would have went to the finals, that would have been a legendary win. Yeah, if they, make it, if they just make it to the finals. Yeah, because beating the Warriors would have been crazy. But I do think he still has a chance to make history because, like you said, we talk about um, organizations. The Nets is an organization that, you know, my Lakers swept y'all. <laughs> you know, y'all were part of our 3 P process and things. But they haven't really gotten close to winning anything like that at a high level. So you get them their first one, you get them to, to break that, even if it's just there, that's something that you embedded in forever. It's a it's a different type of history. Man. So and yeah. getting the first one for Brooklyn in Brooklyn different. It's 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 huge. It's nothing and, and meanwhile the the mecca of basketball, they're a bottom feeder. Yeah, it, it'd be incredible. Yeah. New York would be New York upside would explode. down, upside down, upside down. That 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 Madison Square Garden situation is out of this world too. Yeah, we'll get to that one day. But like you said, you you mentioned this earlier, um, and that's enough for us on that that topic. Like, get to the team, man. If you're really a, a, a hooper, um, yes, you do like challenges for sure. You do like challenges, but you also know when you're looking across the floor and you're like, man, it's just me against those five, and I got to do things. Like, I can't even I can't even work at my strengths. Yeah, I got to do more than what I was supposed to. Like, my strengths are here, but because I don't have anything here and just for us to stay in the game, I got to do all these other things. Yeah. You know, pieces to the puzzle. Let's get yeah. here. Yeah. So, you know, everybody yeah. want to play with somebody who made the game for sure. a, a little bit easier. For sure. But, you, know, you just want to be able to do what you do best. Mm-hmm. That's what you're professional. Yeah. And so, and, you know, and everybody's professional, right? So if you're a professional player, you should have a professional coach. <laughs> you should have a professional manager. Yeah. You should have a professional general manager, a professional president of the operations. Athletic and so, trainer. And so the whole thing. So if, if the general manager is making terrible moves, you're the one dealing with the media. You're the one dealing with the repercussions of fans not being happy. So those guys... If they're making better decisions for their family and for their career, so what? All they're doing is what wealthy people have been doing for years in terms of using the system. Right. And so, uh, and I'll say this is my parting shot, and this is not any um, joke to you or anything like that, but listen, for those of you that are sitting there saying that MJ and Kobe and those guys, you don't really know them. Yeah. MJ was close to leaving the Bulls if they didn't get any help, if they didn't, if they weren't going in the right direction. He didn't mind losing if they were at least trying. 
Kobe threatened to sit out one year if the if the Lakers didn't get him some help. They bought yeah. houses in Chicago. <laughs> and it wasn't because Kobe was scared. It wasn't because Kobe was selfish or anything like that. It's because Kobe knew that in order for me to be the best that I can be, I need some help. Mm-hmm. And that's what organizations do. So don't sit here and think that the guys who stayed at one organization for 20 years were just there and they were just happy. And they were, No. There was some turmoil yeah. in all that. Hey, and, get out of there, Dame. Yes. Dame. Dame. <laughs> Dame. Dame Dollar. Get out of Listen, there, Dame. Who got other things in sports? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get out of there. Like, I know you want to be proud of it. Listen, champ. Yeah. Listen. We love you, man. Yeah, go. Man, listen. We want to see you thrive, man. Yeah, free Bradley Bill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Free Bradley. Man, listen. You should have been, been at the Capitol last week. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man. That's tough. But on a serious note, we talked about Oscar Robertson. Um, we talked about free agency. Uh, and bridging the gap, right? We come back to this all the time because that's why we're here. Many of us, my my age, my generation and younger, we don't understand the complexity of free agency and how it even came about. Like we grew up just knowing that somebody can go where they wanted to go. You know, they can sign somewhere different. They can change jerseys. They can do all these different things. I remember when I heard the first story of, um, I think it was Magic, Signing at like 13 year or a 10 year, $10 million deal for a million a year, like 10 years for a million in one space. And he was excited about it. You're like listening to that now, you're like, oh, that's crazy. But somebody had to, you know, change the system, step outside, challenge the system, and push it forward because, you know, it was a young organization. Things had to change. So, you know, it was expected for, it was normal for a lot of those. Um, players, star players to be stuck in one situation for a long time until 1970, yep. right? And that's when um, Oscar Robertson, he led a suit initially blocked, that initially blocked the NBA's proposed merger with the ABA on antitrust counts. So the NBA players had finally had negotiating leverage with the advent of the ABA in 1967. So they filed suit to stop the merger after the NBA realized it couldn't ignore the um, the ABA out of business like it did the ABL of the 1960s. So the NBA went to Congress to seek exemption like baseball and football but had been rebuffed. So it said then the NBA, ABA then re, uh, filed its own anti, antitrust suit against the NBA. So did Oscar start with the ABA? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. No, I'm not no. quite sure. So the NBA lost in court, and the NBA players were running out of money to battle in court. So the settlement talks began in 1976. Um, so they talk about uh, the, your spirit of 76. So I think by 1976, um, the NBA evolved, and the instrument for freedom of players to move to teams through free agency happened. So that that's breaking the, the whole play teams had on players. Um, no more clause to keep them in one place. Um, free agency was introduced and there was more, there wasn't much movement until 1990s. Um, so now it's an economic vehicle that drives NBA interest and everything else. You know, we talk about this decision and all those things, but 
It's it's fairly new. You know, we talk about the Civil Rights Act. We talk about Martin Luther King, and that only been fifty years, and so mm-hmm. to speak. Like even t- think about the freedom the NBA players have to move to different teams. You know, that's new. Talk about nineteen seventy six. You were there. What was right. what was that situation like? You watching that because you you told me about it. It it you know it's um. It's, it's great for the individual athlete having the opportunity to to do as he or she pleases within the rules, you know. But it's it's bad for some of the fans because you know we always talk about the middle market teams not being relevant in the NBA, and when when they're not relevant, the league kind of um, lulls a little bit in terms of um, you know popularity, but. What what other than the players not having freedom and free agency would keep them in those middle market places? Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you you mentioned Magic Johnson signing 10 years, 10 million, right? Of course, 10 million was a lot of money back then, right? But that's a long time for somebody like a Magic Johnson who could go anywhere and do his thing. But you're talking about a kid from East, East Lansing, Michigan, Snow, signing a 10-year deal in L.A., I can kind of see that. <laughs> I can kind of see that. Yeah. But sign, just think about him signing a 10-year, uh, willingly signing a 10-year deal in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't feeling that. So, so we talk about the decision with LeBron. Mm-hmm. I think it was absolutely great because he gave Cleveland seven good years. Probably seven of their best years ever. And, um, he, it was his right to choose to go wherever he wanted to, you know. And um, the great Earl Lloyd talked to me when I and my team about that situation, and he said that the fan, the fans of Cleveland should be happy that LeBron did give him his best seven years there because he could have easily just been there and been lethargic and waited his turn, but he gave him everything he had. You know, and that's from Earl Lloyd. That's a guy from thinking, think about that's before Oscar. Way before. You know, yeah, original. And so, you know, these guys are only doing what's within the, in the rules. And so now we're going to complain about that, but yet we get Rudy Gobert 200 million. So, hey, yeah, let's yeah. shut up and let's, let's watch it. Yeah. And, and just to think, because uh, the NBA is a players led league. Correct. Right. And and that's why in the off season it's still entertaining, right? That's why free agency is entertaining because it's, it's players player led. And then just be completely honest, um, that's the difference between the NBA and every other organization. Correct. And we're just talking about the play. I don't know what it's like to work for the NBA outside of being a hooper or anything, but just seeing it visibly, we enjoy the NBA because of the freedom that they have as players, right? To express, to move, to manage. You know, challenging, chasing some norms and things. Like, I couldn't imagine what the NBA would be if everybody was stuck to be in one place in one city. Right. Right. Then you don't hold anybody accountable for anything. Like, right. you can't expand, you can't scale things. So, it's a thankful for those OGs, right? You know, who made those things happen. And I would like to see it get acknowledged more because, you know, we talk about uh, Oscar being one of the greatest ever because of the staff he put out. Yeah. You know, and he being the first real big guard, you know, even before Magic, he put me down on the first real big guard who was. Bully ball. 
yeah, bully ball and, and get it done. I mean, from Cincinnati, <laughs> like that's a different game. So for him to be uh, ahead as well, as far as making sure everybody can keep their money right, and give freedom on those things, that's big. Because, you know, the perception is always like, you know, athletes are, you know, modern day slaves or whatever. It's $40 million slaves that one book says. But there is some autonomy in the NBA that isn't afforded anywhere else in other workplaces, period. Right. right? And so the players fought for that. So I appreciate that, too. Right. And, but, you know, you can you can tell that by players finishing their careers in the NBA and having the opportunity to come back and work around the NBA. Yes. I did, I've, I've seen it more so in the NBA than other places. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of – there's. I think there's more fan interaction with the NBA as well. Yes. Yes. It's more entertaining, too. Yeah. You know, the All-Star Weekend. You know, you talk – you look at the Pro Bowl and, and, and MLB All-Star Weekend things. They – they don't garner the same type of attention. You know, it's not the same thing. You know, we talk to the kids here because one of the things we have um, that we struggle with in the UAE right now is basketball growing, right? Basketball is one. I think basketball is the best sport in the world, right? The most entertaining to watch. Um, football or soccer, as they say, is, is fun. But that's I think that's mainly based on the – the um the camaraderie amongst the fans, the dedication they have to the countries and all those things. But as a sport, you know, uh, well, no, it's a it's a great as an art. We don't take away from that, but nothing is like basketball with the action. But you don't get to watch it a lot in Dubai and the UAE, so they really don't get to feel that atmosphere, that culture. Right. But once you feel it, it's just different. High school level, everything. You know, high school for us, we had a band. <laughs> we used to come out two different doors on the side and, and you know, run out and do our thing. It's a different vibe. Huh? I even, Coach even has the, um, we haven't gotten into our music part yet, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that soon because we got to bridge some gaps there. But Coach brought back the uh, the warm-up CD from our from my senior year in high school. He's my senior year, junior year in high school. And we got some bangers on there. <laughs> we got some, got some bangers on there. Yeah. You know, it's crazy that it's on the CD. But you know, all I have to say is basketball is great, and we got to appreciate the OGs who made sure they paved that way for us too. Um, but you know, first podcast back felt good to you know knock the dust off, the rust off, and get into it. Um, those of you guys have been following us, uh, Ethan's been killing it with the the visuals. Um, Please, if you get a chance, comment on it, say something about it. Because this guy, for some reason, he's been telling me for the last, like, four months, he's not good, he can't do it, all these other different things. And you guys see what we have, and it's just getting together. So um, while he's being socially responsible, you know, staying away, staying quarantined, even though he doesn't have COVID, you know, let him know that his, his, uh, his efforts are appreciated and you expect better later. Because <laughs> that's coming. But, um... That's podcast episode number 12. You know, we're about to wrap it up here. Um, before we get into the, the wrap-up, Coach, what you got for your last minute, your post-game wrap-up? Just real real simple. 2021, new beginnings, new opportunities, bright future for everybody. Just wear a mask until we get this thing situated and we'll all be good. Man, let's start a decade off right. But before we do, though, I got to make sure you give me my flowers. Before, after we uh, we had our, uh, today is, is Wednesday. It's the last day of our work week until we get back on Saturday. 
Um, so right after, before a conference call, I came home and I whipped up some dinner, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he called me selfish. But I was thinking about the OG, right? I was thinking about the OG and I gave him a plate. And, you know, he liked to bust my chops about a lot of things. So go ahead and tell the truth, man. Go ahead and tell the truth. We At first, I, I liked how you minimized my parting speech and everything. You know what I'm saying? We were just a little... I was trying to be short... <laughs> To the point, because this was a long episode or whatever, but I see you just killed my little, you know, segue or whatever. But yeah, Ryan did a really good job. He and a, someone else, I'm not even going to say, you know, helped him, <laughs> helped him 99.9% of the way prepare a meal. It was, it was really good. I, I'll admit that. I was very excited and very appreciative. But let's just say this. I am due for this. <laughs> we're, oh, we're filming in my apartment. Man, okay, man. so I deal with the residual effects of trash being on the floor, dirt being on, you know, in certain places that wouldn't normally be here, tables and chairs being out of whack. I deal with that. So, yes, I am due. Okay, because I'm always hosting this situation. You funny, man. Yes, you funny. And I'm due. And we'll take, we'll, let's go back to say 2008. <laughs> yes, I'm due a meal every every decade. Okay, so yeah, I'm giving you your props, man. That's crazy. You see how he just talked about how I cut him down after his speech, and then you know that's how he broke me down. It's crazy, but yeah, I, I you know I fried some chicken. You know, and had some things popping. And for all my people at home that know, I was I was pescatarian for eight months until I got here. And things changed for the better. <laughs> so I let that go. Um, for me, all I'm going to say is new decade, new year, new space. Um, you know, but you know, you're still walking in with the same skin. So continue to work on the same things you were working on before. Um, new outlook on everything. Be present. Enjoy. Uh, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, like Coach says, every everybody isn't perfect. Every situation isn't perfect. Just keep working. Uh, so that's us. That's Bridging the Gap Podcast. Coach Coach Ryan Yates, whatever you want to say. JK, Jules the Jeweler here. Remember, if you're in the UAE and you want to get some bump. Basketball. If you want to feel a, the, the real essence of the culture, um, who mountain basketball? Who mountain Dubai? Who mountain DXB on Instagram? www.hoopmountain.ae online. We're available. Talk to us.